I really believe students should not just be consumers of information, but producers of information and creators. And that's a big shift for some people. But I think we can provide choice for students, just not in input, but also in outputs as well. The topic of today's podcast is assessment during remote learning, which does include academic integrity. Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education. Education is our passport to the future. To get us started, the quote of the day is from Alan November. And he says, teachers need to stop saying hand it in and start saying publish it instead. So what speaks to you about this quote? Any keywords or phrases, Pam or Paul? For me, that hand in feels like a task to be done versus published, on the other hand, feels more like learning to be shared and celebrated. I think of the almost exact same thing. I think of handed in as an ending and publishing as a beginning. And we always want our kids to be beginning their academic journey. Nice. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about assessment today and thinking of assessment sort of as a pathway to feedback because assessment isn't an end on to itself. It's, you know, what are you going to do with that data when you do the assessment? And, you know, a teacher needs to know how the student's doing. Students need to know how he or she is progressing so that they can continue to get better. And parents too, they want to know if their child is on track or not. So, um, you know, what does this look like in remote learning? And so we're going to take a little look at this in both like our self-paced asynchronous type settings, as well as our uh, live meetings or synchronous type learning as well. So we'll take a look at self-paced remote learning, the asynchronous piece first. And uh, again, I think of assessment as feedback. Um, if you're not going to do anything with an assessment, you know, what's the point? I don't, I don't think it's, it's worth it to do an assessment just to measure somebody and rank them and put them in a little filing cabinet of where they stack amongst their classmates. For me, it's about how can I use that assessment to get better? Um, and the student too should be asking really three questions. You know, how am I doing? How can I improve? And how well did I do? You know, what, what things am I doing well at that I should continue? Um, and if we think about our learning management systems, I think we can begin by starting with some of the tools that are built into that. Um, the test quiz features in there, I'm not a huge test quiz kind of person, but they can be really good for the formative little checks, especially because they're self-correcting. So when a student goes through that module, they can immediately see if they're on track or not. The teacher doesn't need to intervene. It's efficient, it's effective, and the student can inform their instruction or their learning and, and move on. I also think of the assignments piece in a learning management system. And the thing I like almost the best about the assignments is how easy it is to distribute and collect. So it takes that kind of mindless piece out of the equation so that students and teachers can focus on what really matters and that's the learning. And some of these allow students to submit pictures or videos or documents, really robust evidence of the learning and the teacher can get some really good insight into what's happening in the mind of the student, which is really helpful. And then the, the third piece of the LMS that I think is powerful and can be used in a lot of unique ways are discussions. So 
we know that writing is a really important piece of learning. And if students write, they can write to learn. So we can have that in the discussions. We can have students reflect. In our last episode, we were talking about um, e-binders and portfolios and reflecting on our learning. Well, discussions can be a great place for that. And it's a public audience, so the peers can see it. And when we, we know that when our displays of learning are more public, we tend to take them more serious because that audience is more authentic. Absolutely. And I was even thinking of in the discussion piece, or if students are able to engage in discussions with some guidance, they could provide feedback to one another, which is another, I think, like you mentioned, assessment lots of times is equal to feedback. So they could be assessing one another and giving each other feedback. And that also makes it more efficient and realistic. I know teachers out there are dealing with 190 students. So how can I be effective in assessment I do need data to inform my instruction, but also how can I empower students to help themselves? You know, just one comment on that. When I, back in my English teacher days, I would have students do journals and we know that it's important for, for students to write a lot to get good at it. I would not read every journal, but I would have them maybe star their top two. So star two that you'd like me to read. And that also gave the kids a chance to, um, cherry pick their best work to, and sometimes even reach out with a question or a, a cry for help. Absolutely. We have to weave in those strategies. <laughs> and I also like how you mentioned with the LMS, it provides the opportunity for students to turn things in lots of different ways. Um, so I think a big part of assessment is student creation. And I really believe students should not just be consumers of information, but producers of information and creators. And that's a big shift for some people. But I think we can provide choice for students, just not in input, but also in outputs as well. So as you mentioned, video, audio, infographics, writing, so many programming, TED Talks, all these different things that they can do and share. And it makes it in some ways, I'm hoping teachers have had to push themselves to learn how to use some of these learning management systems. And I really hope when they go back to either that, you know, the hybrid or in person that they're going to utilize these skills and these opportunities that they've developed now with their students. Yeah, and I love that you said turn it over to the students to let them create. I honestly believe that if you can do one thing in education, and that's empower the kids to be creators, you will do wonders for those kids. And that can be overwhelming. So I also want to point out that when I say empower them with being able to be create or have choice, that doesn't mean you have to have 10 things or unlimited. You can start with two or three and make sure it's manageable for yourself so that you as a teacher as well can feel successful as, as well as providing choice in those assessment features for students. But sometimes it's it, it's a little scarier than it seems. So I know like with third grade writing, we're talking about students, you know, finishing a writing assessment, demonstrating their understanding. And another way for them to do that was actually for them to program there's a couple ways using Scratch Junior or in the creation lab for code.org, and they actually program their stories. It created, it also then enhanced computer science standards, but then all of the writing standards, the things they were demonstrating were in the program. So it was amazing. And it actually then, we talk about embedding, created an opportunity for that as well. Yeah, that voice and choice is so important when you were saying that. It reminds me of working with a teacher one time who said, okay, Pam, voice and choice. 
Are you talking about the Walmart poison choice of picking out the jelly and the jams or the Costco version of it? Because when I go to Costco, it's too many choices. I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> so yeah, that narrowing it down, I think is, uh, is, uh, is very helpful. It doesn't overwhelm the learner. Our colleagues on our uh, live Twitter chat, uh, one in particular noted that, you know, that for the vast majority of assessments, they really should be formative because formative feedback, as you guys were noting, can really shape the learning and point students towards success. At the summative point, the data, it's too late. So feedback can come. The other thing that I think was important they pointed out is that feedback can come from many different places. It doesn't just have to come from the teacher because that feels overwhelming when we have to do all of that for the students. It can come from the student itself. It can come from their classmates. It can come from that digital auto scoring that Paul mentioned. So, um, so very important. Our next topic is really assessments, but this time in live synchronous video class. Rena, what suggestions do you have for in that environment? Yes, there's lots of different strategies and there's lots of different toggling happening. One of my suggestions is first, maybe try to get a second screen if you don't have one. You're a teacher because it's going to make your life easier. But I think about how can you engage the, the class, the group, and still assess the individual? So how can you do that? And there's lots of different strategies. So if you are engaged in a larger group kind of live session where you're not in breakouts, you can... You can even get assessment feedback based on visual cues or signals, those thumbs up, the the um, reactions that students can use. That can be a type of assessment that you can use to inform your instruction. Um, another thing you can do is you can use breakout rooms for those smaller group discussions, but you can also use breakout rooms for one-on-one -on -one interviews. So students, students can be engaged in a task and then you're breaking out with one-on-one -on -one interviews, having discussions and getting feedback in that way. Also during those live in sessions, it doesn't just have to be video. You could be using collaborative documents like a Jamboard. So maybe you show a picture or something and you want students to make a prediction and they could each put up a sticky note using Jamboard and just make sure they use their initial, that it's all an editable document, or you could give them all their own copy, but it's going to be easier for you to assess more likely if it's everyone's on the same document. So collaborative documents, you can also use collaborative slides and other things as well. And then as far as more, I would say, summative assessments, but they could still be formative, you can have students come up with things like, one of my favorites is an Ignite talk, where they really become the presenter and they're taking over the show. So in an Ignite talk, um, if you haven't heard of these before, they're very, very engaging and Students have to talk about a specific topic. It's an oral type of presentation, and they only have five minutes. And they use slides, and they only get 20 slides, and the slides change automatically. So they only get 15 seconds on a slide. They move automatically, and they're supposed to be very fast, engaging. They really help the student focus. And I, when students have done them, I've seen them really work hard because they know they're presenting as well to their classmates. And I believe Paul mentioned this before, if we know we have an authentic audience, a reason why I'm doing this besides just the topic, then I'm really going to engage in it. And they're really fun to watch. So you can use Google Slides or Microsoft PowerPoint, and then they can share their screen. So you can have the students do the Ignite Talks. And very similarly, students could teach a lesson. So if you know students are excelling and you might say, hey, would you mind teaching others 
about that. Or even if someone modeled or showed you how their understanding developed and you were like, wow, think about how your thinking's changed. Why don't you share that with others? Uh, so that can be really powerful student leading student as a type of assessment. You know, I think that's the really important piece is that the student is the one that's guiding things. The student is the one that's doing the talking because we know the one doing the most work is doing the most learning. And <laughs> I think with those live pieces, we want to reduce the lecture piece as much as possible. If you're going to lecture, just flip that, do a video and people can watch that on their own pacing at their own time. It doesn't take a lot of engagement for that, but Use it for the uh, engage piece, the check for understanding. And you've mentioned a couple times, Rena, don't go more than three or five minutes without some kind of student engagement in that you know, space. It could be as simple as a thumbs up or thumbs down. It could be a, like a visual one on the screen, or it could even be the digital one. If you have like in Google Meet, there's the Google Nod thing where you can do thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, it could be in the chat. Maybe you say, all right, give me a ranking like a fist to five, but do it with numbers in the chat. Where are you at? Zero is a fist and five is five. Um, you could do a poll. You could put a link to a poll in the chat and the kids can pop in their reflection on that. Um, Pam actually just introduced me to a new topic or a new um, tool the other day, whiteboard.chat. I had never um, heard of that one before. And my favorite part of that one is that it has music in it. I mean, not really music, but it's got like music notation. You can get the staff paper in there. There's math symbols in there. It's super cool and super powerful um, in what you can do. And then it's one of those engaging pieces where you can watch what the students are doing on their boards at the same time, like in real time. You can see a little thumbnail of each student, see what they're working on, and that's great formative feedback, you know, as you're, as you're going through. And then I would say my last point with discussion, discussion can be a little tricky in like a live video because there's so many people in there and it's, it's hard to know who's going to talk next. And then people start talking on top of each other and then everybody stops and nobody wants to talk. And um, I think we need to be intentional about how we're going to structure those discussions so students know who's going to speak next. Um, maybe you go in a certain sequence. Maybe you go by how the pictures are stacked on the screen. Or maybe you have a sheet and you're checking them off as you go. Or maybe one student has to call on the next one. But some kind of a actual system so that everybody gets hit there in the in the sequence. Yeah. Another um, aspect of assessments I know is um, a lot of conversations I've had with teachers this fall uh, relates to academic integrity. And when I think of academic integrity, I think of the quote from Warren Buffett, in looking for someone to hire, look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if you don't have, if they don't have the first one, the other two will kill you. <laughs> so integrity is definitely key. And so it's a conversation that I know I've had with a lot of teachers this fall. What is the academic integrity or how do we maintain that in the um, digital space? According to the International uh, Center for Academic Integrity, um, they define academic integrity as a commitment, even in the face of adversity, to six fundamental values, honesty, trust, fairness, respect, 
responsibility, and and courage. And the research of high school students show that 95% um, said that they participated in some form of cheating, whether that was on a test, plagiarism, or copying homework. And so um, they really, um, you know, wanted to ask the students, what's... um, What's causing that? You know, because it's creating a temptation for teachers to want to lock things down, like recording them taking the test during a live session. Um, But students will find a way around that. So really, what is um, causing that cheating? And they found that there's many reasons, but it includes peer pressure when students feel like the sense that everybody is doing it or when they're feeling anxious about failing, or they can't manage all of their demands, you know, from social, personal, and academic stress that's going on. And sometimes it's because they don't understand the academic integrity expectations, like plagiarism. When I worked with my fifth and sixth graders, you know, that was something they didn't quite understand that that wasn't quite paraphrasing. That was really more like plagiarizing. So um, it's really important that we address those reasons. And one way we can have um, students do that is to discuss and reflect on those challenges and how they're meeting those challenges in a way that sustains or maintains integrity. Um, We really do need to be intentional about teaching our students how to practice academic integrity, and that can start as young as kindergarten. I mean, we can be using picture books, quotes, um, having students help develop a digital world word wall, see if I can talk tonight, develop a digital word wall using a tool like Padlet, where they have those terms that are related to academic integrity um, better defined for themselves and to reflect on that. I really appreciate, you know, we have our live Twitter chats on Tuesday evenings, and one person talked about in terms of assessment, the first question he asked is, what's the most authentic use of the information that students are learning? And he learned, he leans towards what he calls the three P's, projects, products, and performances. And when you think of the three P's, those are very authentic and it's harder to cheat because those are, um, those higher order thinking skills are harder to cheat on. And so they can be more authentic and, um, be harder for good opportunity for students to practice those academic integrity values. So thinking about those three P's, that kind of is a nice segue to our, uh, tool talk um, because our talk is on WeVideo and um, it's an online video editing tool that students can use to produce simple or sophisticated videos to demonstrate their learning. And so the three P's definitely fall into place with that. Rena, what do you think about um, WeVideo? Well, I love WeVideo and I use it all the time for both work and for personal and you can also use it to create podcasts as well so students can easily edit and podcast the other thing i love about we video is that it is online so even if you use chromebooks it is a fantastic editing software that can be used in the cloud online it saves you can share projects so in this remote learning environment, I just did this the other day, I had a colleague and actually we were kind of creating a video about how some different teachers organized their Google Classroom. So we did a little screencast. And then even though we were away, we were able to mash up the video, add some sound, add some effects. And honestly, it didn't take us that long to create and it looks really great. So it's really fun. There's lots of things. And I've had students as young as really second grade, but third grade be able to be successful with WeVideo. And kids love it. This is the video generation. You know, kids have grown up on video. They love it. Mm -hmm. Um, TikTok is, you know, all the rage. We can 
we can emulate some of that in the classroom and okay, all right, kids, make a TikTok to show your understanding of this concept. They'll be all over that. Um, I've done things as simple as make a line of images that kind of go with your, your script and then record a script and make sure that the pictures go along with the script all the way, you know, along. In fact, usually I have them write the script first. So it tricks them into writing and then they don't even think they're writing, but they are. And then they, they find an image to go with each one that really emphasizes those pieces. So it's almost not a video, but you're still using video software to do that, that animated slideshow kind of a piece uh, works really well. I, I, we, kind of danced around it but we did touch upon it but i really think that we should be providing the most feedback to students during kind of formative assessments not the finished products that they're like okay yay done i've moved on um because that's when they need it the most to support their learning and to to develop changes so assessment we hear that word lots of times people just automatically think of summative assessment and grades and i could do a whole podcast on grades that's a whole nother topic um but really those formative assessments those little moments in time where we can provide feedback or have students provide feedback to each other for them to inform kind of their next steps are the most valuable Absolutely, because it's a check. Assessments are that opportunity to check for understanding, and like you said, for them to get the feedback. I also think it's a great opportunity for them to develop those character traits related to growth mindset and integrity, like perseverance, honesty, courage. Absolutely, and I think about what Pam mentioned earlier is considering all the sources that we can have for assessment. The teacher is a source, but not the only source. Peers are a valuable source. Self-reflection is a valuable source of, re- of um, assessment and digital ones that are automated so teachers can be kind to themselves at times, too, because we know that everybody's pressed for time. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining our conversations around assessment today. In fact, we hope that in your final assessment, you'll find some golden nugget tips that you can take with you to improve your teaching and learning in your remote classroom. <laughs> Myself, <laughs> Rena did a face plant in her microphone. Uh, there you go. Done. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab and go lessons, templates, and videos that will help you bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central for live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote and hybrid learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. You can also call us and leave a message at 858-223-8999. Please share your comments or feel free to ask us a question. Once again, that's 858 858- Two two three eight nine nine nine. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.